Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello, so we're here for Pod 98, believe it or not, after what has felt like the longest game week ever, so long that we've seen not one but two storms cause major disruption. And uh, we've also had not one but two pods as we do a second attempt at recording the pod after losing the uh, the first pod, which was a, a bit of a disaster. I'm, I'm joined by El Duderino Stag. Um, how are you? I'm good, Nick. I'm good. It's good to be back again, um, having another go at recording the pod for this week, but we've still got plenty to chat about and plenty to dissect with the whole game week now closed off as opposed to um, with one game left to play. Just to say, of course, we are Who Got The Assist. Our Twitter is at WGTA underscore FPL. You'll find Nick at WGTA underscore Nick, and you'll find me, FPL Stag, at FPL Stag. You can find this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. Right, Nick. So, well, let's move on with the game reviews first of all, and then start talking about the rest of our topics for this part. Yeah, sounds good. So, I think um, originally we were going to sort of have a focus of looking at sort of five week plans and talking a little bit about um, the blanks in twenty eight and just how we we're going to sort of um, assess the, the carnage of blanks and potential doubles in in game week twenty nine as well. So, I think we're going to be doing that a little bit more in depth um, next week now, uh, just because there's a bit more time. But instead, uh, we get to have a, a live reaction uh, to your triple captainship, and uh, which we wouldn't have got um, to last. Last time we did the pods, uh, you were hopefully anticipating that uh, Aguero might get you a nice haul, but um, you ended up scoring one point more than me or my triple captain, at least, didn't you? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a massive six-point return from my Aguero triple captaincy, which is unfortunate considering I've even got Kevin De Bruyne behind him with 11 points, but oh well, <laughs> such is the way. So my triple captain game week is going to end up with 57 points, a small, small green arrow, but no major good news. So I'll end the game week still around or rank of what, 800k with no longer having chips in the bank based on the, uh, versus the template. Nick, you? Uh, so, uh, yeah, so I actually had quite a rare, really good week, to be honest. Uh, I've ended up on 78 points, which is probably my highest score in, in a long, long time. Nice green arrow and uh, starting to be back in that top 200k as well. A bit of an air of um, respectability to my OR again, which is nice. Um, that was even with the captain blank of Mo Salah. Uh, but a lot of my differentials delivered, which is really nice to see. Calvert-Lewin got me 11 points. Son Heung-min got me 13. Obviously, 
see he's injured as well. Um, so I have to think about what I'm doing with him. Uh, Soyuncu got me seven points, Greenish six, and and the double Liverpool defence that also returned. So so uh, pretty pretty happy with that. Um, so yeah, as I said, we're not going to um, do what we originally planned, but we will be doing that um, next week. So make make sure to tune in when we record on Monday. Um, we've also uh, scrapped the theme this week, though. Um, I dropped a little hint to um, someone. Some po- some people might have been able to pick it up from my little hint just in the introduction. But we'll we'll save that um, we'll save that one for next week as well. But um, I think we're going to talk briefly about a couple of teams that we should be targeting, um, and they are primarily Wolves and Southampton. It's mainly because of the really nice fixtures they've got in game week twenty seven plus the run that they've got after that. So yeah, we're going to start with Wolves here, and um, yeah, so they've got some really, really good fixtures coming up. Their next five are Norwich at home, Spurs away, Brighton at home, West Ham away, and then Bournemouth at home. So a lot of us are, are starting to actually look at our teams and think, you know, Wolves, Wolves could fit in really nicely in, in a few of the slots within the team. And uh, start starting with the defence, um, I think one of the players that um, we, we both were looking at was uh, was Willie Bolly actually. Um, starting to get a lot of recognition from the community. He's only... 4.7 million and um, he could have had a haul actually at the, on the Friday night fixture had it not been for that tight offside call. I feel like um, Wolves um, look um, a lot more solid defensively when, when Willie Bolly is in the team. Um, they've only conceded 32 goals over the course of the season so they've um, got the joint sixth best um, defence in the league so they're, they're pretty solid defensively but with Bolly back I think he he seems to be that key man in that defence, um, and looks like a, a proper a proper decent FPL asset. Perhaps though, if, if you're fancying a, a bit more money, um, spending a bit more money, maybe you can look at Matt Doherty. Though he is six million, he is very expensive. But um, you know, a lot of us really you know enjoyed his tools last season when he was only. 4.5 million and over the course of the season he's been very attacking again he's he's four for goal attempts amongst defenders with 25 um all of those have been, been inside the box as well and he's nicked three goals for his trouble i mean 11 big chances taken as well as the most amongst all defenders and and with 12 shots on target that's that's also most for all the defenders in the premier league so I really like Doherty actually as a pick, six million, a bit expensive perhaps. So you know, um, Bolly a lot cheaper, but I, I think there's definitely um, a lot to be said about that Wolves defense right now. Yeah, absolutely. I can't help but agree with you on that. So on the Bolly thing, maybe just to add a little bit more color to that point, it's like he has played ten times this season, and Wolves have kept clean sheets in five of those. Without Bolly, they've kept one clean sheet in sixteen. Wow. So <laughs> it kind of tells you just how big a difference he actually makes to the defence. And with that, the potential of Matt Doherty, who is, of course, as you mentioned, an attacking king. Like The thing with Doherty is like, OK, you've given us his whole season stats, but even in the last eight game weeks, he's the second highest ranked defender in terms of XG. He's just behind Yerimina. He has 1.95. He's fourth for goal attempts, just like he is for the whole season with nine. Top for shots on target. He's got three goals and three assists already this season. He got four goals and seven assists last season. And there's absolutely nothing to say that he can't match that again. And maybe just to actually say those Wolves fixtures as well. It's Norwich at home coming up this game week. Tottenham away. That's not even that hard a fixture. And then you've got Brighton at home, West Ham away and Bournemouth at home. Sorry to put down your spurs there, Nick. But do you have any thoughts then on, let's say, the Wolves midfield? There's obviously one glaring opportunity there. 
Yeah, so I mean, I think the main man in the Wolves midfield is is Adama Traore, and I mean, I know he didn't start, but that was mainly because he was nursing an injury. He's he's five point eight million in um, FPL, and he's been linked to have moved to Barcelona, where he originally played, and it isn't really a surprise at all, to be honest. He, he's been unplayable this season hasn't he with some of his sort of electrifying movement on the ball um he's got just the four goals to his name but he's also managed um seven assists so plenty of opportunities being created for the likes of Jimenez uh, to get onto the end of and I was also surprised to see actually that he was the third best value midfielder in the game right now with um sort of 17.9 points per million only um Jordan Henderson surprisingly and, and Todd Cantwell um are better value players right now so I actually think Adama's a really really good pick and with my son in Injury. Originally, I was planning on rolling my transfer, but looking at who I can afford, I'm actually really tempted by the uh, Adama punt right now. Yeah, absolutely. Like, look at it. He's just he's so good to watch, and the fact of the matter is that when you actually boil down his FPL returns, he's actually good value for money too. And it's it's hard to turn him down. But the thing is, for me, I feel like okay, I prioritize a Wolves defender. I think that that's important over the next few weeks. And then who I also prioritize, of course, is around Jimenez up top. You know, look, the striking options aren't actually particularly good at the moment, especially given that we've got those blanks coming up for City and Arsenal. So Aguero and Aubameyang kind of thrown into that. So are we really going to end up tripling up on Wolves? And that's where I'm starting to wonder, is this the classic, you know, second half of season triple up just because of fixtures when perhaps European fixtures are going to start causing them trouble, rotation may start to kick in and maybe Wolves aren't what we want. Do you have any thoughts on that? I think that is a valid point. Obviously, yeah, they, they've got quite a small squad um, and yeah, um, still being in the Europa League, it could have an impact on their form. But I mean, I just look at those fixtures and I think, you know, they, they just seem like the, the best team to be targeting right now. I'm not necessarily saying triple up. I'm just saying there are opportunities in both defence, midfield and forward line. And as you mentioned, Raul Himmel He's 7.7 million, but just I was looking at his underlying stats, they're just absolutely brilliant. He's um he's top for goal attempts amongst all forwards with 86, and he's joint top for shots inside the box with 69. Um he's only got 11 goals, so his goal conversion, I suppose, isn't the highest in the league, but you know, you have to fancy him looking at those fixtures. And um it's not just his um shots um that are impressive, it's also his uh, chance creation stats um that are really, really impressive. He's he's got six assists to his name with only for me know having more so far and he's also um, created 38 chances uh, joint second with Firmino only uh, Gerard De Lefeo's had um, has created more chances of all the forwards um, 12 of those have been big chances and, and he plays pretty much every minute as well out of all the forwards in the game only Timmy Pukki's uh, played more minutes over the course of the season and that just is indicative of how important uh, Raul Jimenez is for the Wolves front line and yeah with those stats I think he looks like a, a great pick of course I'm, I'm cursing him a little bit because I'm probably not going to be owning him for this Norwich at home game right now but yeah I, I really really like him and I, I'd highly recommend him to, to FPL managers for this for this run to be honest like, The fact of the matter is Jimenez is pretty much almost essential based on look, all of those facts, based on the fixtures based even just on pure ownership and playing pure defensively but perhaps falling into the same bracket and similarly with good fixtures and actually outpacing Jimenez by two points across this season is Danny Ings of Southampton. So Southampton's also have a great run of fixtures coming up. Villa at home, West Ham away, Newcastle at home, Norwich away, and then Arsenal at home. And like Danny Ings, even when 
Southampton aren't putting in their best performances, he still finds a way to find the net. The last game week was a case in point. At Burnley, they really struggled. Burnley thrived in the conditions where Southampton really struggled. And yet, Danny Ings gets his goal off pretty much one shot. Typical. 15 goals this season right now. He's up there in the race for the Golden Boot with Aguero, who lamentably has not moved forward this game week, and Vardy, who hasn't done anything since December. So, it's... What do you think, Nick? Like, are you going to have to have both him and Ings, or are you at least strongly considering both of them? Well, I think definitely Danny Ings is is um, you know a really really good option in that forward line. And uh, yeah, um, I watched that you know the, the Spurs Aston Villa game, and Aston Villa were just you know absolutely atrocious defensively. The amount of shots that they were conceding was you know phenomenal. I think it broke like, the record for the season, apart from that Southampton Leicester game. And uh, yeah, they. Um, you know, I, I can certainly see Danny Ings filling his boots in that game. It's another player that I don't own that I'm going to be very nervous about, um, you know, watching that game. So I think he's actually, um, he's another option for the sort of captaincy for, for those that do own him. Because, uh, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a plum home fixture, as we say. And, yeah, as you said, he's, he's in that golden boot race, 15 goals to his name. Um, you know, he, he could easily win that golden boot. What would, you know, like with Jamie Vardy's form right now, he could definitely um, be in the running at the course of the season. You know, it might be worth a cheeky bet there, but um, you know, he's um, he's definitely affordable. But I just, I, unfortunately, I've got Calvert Lewin my team actually at the moment, and I don't think, I mean, it could be possible now on a hit if I sell Son for someone like Adama. But um, you know, I really have to weigh that up. Uh, but yeah, I think Southampton, in terms of Southampton, Danny Ings is the main man. There's not really too many other options. I mean, I looked at the midfield, and you've got um, James Ward Prowse, um, sort of the creator, I guess. Five point seven million ownership of only one point five percent could be a really interesting differential for this run of fixtures for Southampton. He's just got the four goals and three assists to his name, but I guess he could have had more assists um, um, as he's actually third for crosses amongst all midfielders with one hundred seventy seven and he's um, created 41 chances which is 10th amongst all, all the midfielders in the game so um, you know a little bit of a punt maybe a, a bit of a left field punt I know a few people also looking at Nathan Redmond the 6.2 million I guess he's the other option in that midfield isn't he he is like look Nathan Redmond represents the annual craziness that kind of starts to hit FPL managers when they start to look at differentials and fixtures and end up picking him up and I've fallen into this trap every single year with Redmond or more likely actually with Ward-Prowse I'm not letting it happen again I've made plenty of mistakes this season but James Ward-Prowse will not be one of them in spite of that but (laughs) maybe further back in the Southampton team for greater opportunities and Taylor Cross actually asked us uh, in our Q&A for the initial pod about the defenders at Southampton and this is where I think things get a bit more interesting. In the last seven game weeks, only Manchester City and Chelsea have conceded less shots in the box than Southampton. And at the time when I took these stats, actually Southampton had played one game more than uh, City and Chelsea, and City definitely haven't uh, caught up in the meantime. So this stat still stands as true. And they've conceded the second least set pieces too in that time. So pretty solid going. On the contrary to that, maybe, they were ninth for XGC. So what you're seeing is that, okay, they're conceding less shots in the box, but maybe the shots in the box they are considering of a slightly higher value, and so maybe this belies a different story. However, as well, the worst underperformers in terms of XGC was actually Brighton, and 
uh, Southampton were second. So in terms of like the delta between the two, which maybe tells us that actually Alex McCarthy has been making a few mistakes or maybe the likes of the goal they conceded last weekend, which never should have happened, is counting against them and skewing the numbers. Nick, do you have any temptation on Southampton defenders at all? I mean, I'm not overly tempted, though um, those underlying stats that you mentioned in recent weeks are, are pretty impressive. I mean, over the course of the season, I guess, like, I kind of had a look at them. Over the course of the season, they've conceded 48 goals, which is still the third worst in the league. And I know that nine of those came in one game against Leicester when they were down to 10 men, but still, it's not particularly impressive Um Record. I mean, in terms of overall shots conceded, of course, the season they're eleventh, so sort of, you know, mid-table-ish. Every chance of a clean sheet. But I think, you know, if if I was to call out at one defender that perhaps would be the best pick of the bunch, um, it would be Jack Stevens at four point four million, one goal and three assists. So you know, he gets the occasional attacking return as well. So it might be worth a punt. So those are the two main teams that we we recommend uh, people invest in at least at this moment in in the season but I think are there any teams to avoid obviously in 28 um, Arsenal Aston Villa Manchester City and Sheffield United are all blanking and of those four teams I think Aston Villa is definitely the one to avoid um, I mean they've got Southampton this week but after that it's Leicester Chelsea Newcastle and the blank and I think the likes of Greedish unfortunately is going to be leaving my team I've already got four um, players blanking in that game week and I think he's um, he's an easy sacrifice out of that bunch and uh, you know he has been um, a talismanic figure for um, Aston Villa he could easily come back in but I think it's probably time for him to go and I think obviously the defence is a massive avoid as well I'll be looking for any opportunity to sell Matt Target um, in terms of Manchester City, Nones um, of Pundit asked us about the potential double in 29 and, and what the plan here, what the plan is here with the blank in 28. Uh, Captain Hindsight also asked us about whether we think the, ba- the ban will affect their form. I mean, what are your thoughts here? I know you, um, you've triple captain Sergio Aguero. Could he be leaving your team maybe now? Uh, he is leaving my team now, but that's, I guess, nothing to do with the triple captain. It's certainly not kind of an elastic band reaction to a, a triple captaincy fail. And it's much more just to do with that blank gaming that's coming up. He's one of the few players I have in my team that are in that blank. And I feel like this is just the perfect opportunity for me to focus my funds into midfield and maybe downgrade to the likes of Jimenez or Ings in my own side. I also have Calvert-Lewin like you already, so that's not an issue for me to consider. But I think with City and maybe to answer one of those questions and maybe how I think the ban will affect them. I think short run, I'm not too fearful for their upcoming, let's say, fixture or two, but it's a more long-term fear that would kind of grip me for them because they're just going to be obviously focusing on the Champions League. So maybe this this upcoming Leicester game, like I don't think you need to sell ahead of that. Then there's the blank in 28, so there's a good reason to sell. And then it's a Manchester Derby in game week 29. Potentially a double there, depending on what happens. Still hasn't been announced at time of recording. Could happen. But I think with City assets, the safe option is keep David, uh, keep Kevin De Bruyne. And then from there, I think every extra City player that you have is a risk and it's a high risk, high reward strategy to have them, but I don't think it's going to be worth it for me anyway to have extra city players as this kind of cast appeal winds its way through. It's likely to be resolved even before the end of the season. Champions League comes back in July. They need to have answers before then, but from an FEL point of view, short run, fine. Longer run, no. 
Yeah, fair enough. I think I'd be in, inclined to agree with you there. Um, in terms of the potential double in, in 29, it is, it's quite interesting, actually, um, as it's kind of thrown a, a few things up in the air, really, in terms of our plans and how we uh, how we navigate um, the coming game weeks. Um, so I think we've obviously got we've got Ben Crellin coming in on the pod in a couple of weeks to discuss the sort of full close season. But um, we also know, of course, that there's going to be blanks in, in game week 31 as well. Well, so plenty of stuff to think about there. Um, I know some of uh, some managers also um, aren't planning on free hitting. I think we're both going to be free hitting that week. But um, if you aren't planning on free hitting, um, there's going to be definitely Wolves versus Bournemouth and Burnley versus Watford. So that's, that's another reason there to target Wolves. But yeah, as, as I mentioned, game week 29, there's a, there's a possibility that Manchester City will have a double game week. We don't know at the moment, but it could be um, either Arsenal or Chelsea in that game week as well. So it could leave us in this tricky situation where we're setting up Manchester City players for game week 28 and then bringing them back in straight away for game week 29 even though it's perhaps not the uh, the most exciting double game week in the world but I think that um, you know adds credence to benching the likes of Kevin De Bruyne perhaps and, and you know playing the likes of Todd Cantwell at least in, in game week 28 because you know I think especially after that last performance Kevin De Bruyne he looks um, undroppable for our FPL teams at least but yeah in, in terms of in terms of 31 as I said um, you know those are the two confirmed fixtures but there's um, a 95% chance that Chelsea and City's off that week uh, so City just need to beat Shrewsbury or Chelsea beat Liverpool so obviously it's City beating Shrewsbury that's really affecting the numbers um, there's a 93% chance of um, Sheffield United versus Manchester United being off as well Manchester United need to beat Derby or Sheffield United need to beat Reading it's worth highlighting as well that if you own Dean Henderson he's ineligible for that fixture anyway so uh, we saw Dean Henderson being bought in the market forces quite heavily, uh, which is a bit worrying, really, considering he's blanking in 28, definitely he's blanking in 31, definitely. But um, the other fixture that could be on is um, Norwich versus Everton, and it starts to, um, we start to look at the Everton players again, perhaps, if that fixture is on, um, because Norwich needs to beat Spurs for that one to be on otherwise if Spurs lose Spurs will West Ham Spurs will play West Ham but we won't know until the 4th of March so just at the moment it's all kind of speculation and we can't really put any definitive plans in place because of that yeah I think I'd agree with that and maybe just to round out this particular section one of the themes that I think we should be avoiding is Everton they play four of the traditional top six in the next four games it's Arsenal away United home Chelsea away and Liverpool at home which is kind of interesting when you consider that Richarlison is actually the now the third most transferred in player for the coming game week with 107,000 transfers in at time of recording uh, behind only Danny Ings and Raul Jimenez so a lot of people are putting their faith in Everton. It may be a challenging time for them. And when you've got Calvert Lewin there, who's uh, the top scorer for XG over the last uh, eight game weeks, then maybe it's harder to justify his my old foe and his friend Richardson at midfield. Nick, do you have any final thoughts in the section? Uh, nope. Happy to wrap up there, and, and we'll take a break. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? 
Right, so we're back and um, we're just going to do the one feature this week, which is the uh, the market forces, because we just we just love doing it so much, and I hope you like listening to it too. Um, this is our usual feature where we use NCI data to discuss um, the trends in the market, who people are buying and who people are selling. So um, yeah, the two most transferred in players right now are Jimenez and uh, Danny Ings. Uh, perhaps no surprise really, um, as we just talked about them, they, they look like really good picks at least for this week and for the next five as well but it was quite interesting actually is it seems like a bit of a neck and neck race between them um you know it's very much a 50 50 in terms of who people are bringing in uh both have a hundred and twenty thousand transfers in uh at time of recording Jimenez is that he's just pipping Danny Ings by a hundred transfers overall so yeah uh, really interesting that um but yeah uh those two guys are, are the most transferred in players otherwise uh when we recorded on Monday, it was uh, Son Hung Min was one of the most transferred in players as well. He was he was fifth most transferred in with fifty six thousand uh, transfers in. He's now had sixty eight thousand transfers in, but unfortunately, obviously, he's injured. So uh, sixty eight thousand managers making um, a real error there with the early transfers in. But he's now topping the uh, the transfers out as well. Hundred and fifty thousand transfers out, and the players that people are bringing in are um, the likes of Richardson, third most transferred in player. 110,000 transfers in times of recording. Mane as well, 90,000 transfers in for Sadio Mane. And also the likes of Traore, uh, Fernandez, and Grealish all being brought in as well. And um, Anthony Martial with 45,000 transfers in. Um, what do you make of um, those midfielders that are being transferred in there? Well, it's actually particularly interesting, I think, having looked at these in detail on Monday and now having the benefit of looking at them again on Wednesday, is actually just the kick in transfers in that Manchester United players have had since that. Whilst we were recording, or just after we had recorded, we were, or just after we recorded um, the game, the United transfers would have started to kick in. And so Bruno Fernandes especially has really jumped up here. And so has Anthony Martial, I guess, as a consequence of both of them returning in that game. Uh, but I think what you're really seeing across the the net transfers in this game week is people just kind of correcting their teams more than anything um, with pretty obvious transfers in across the board. Like even the defenders really illustrates this point. It's, it's Dean Henderson is the most transferred in goalkeeper, the most transferred in defenders. They're all Newcastle defenders, Liverpool defenders, Sheffield United defenders, just consistent clean sheets. Maybe people just trying to double up or just fix things up, cover themselves where they've been left behind before. And I think that's the story of all the transfers in here. Yeah, it's, it's quite interesting, actually. I think um, uh, John Lundstrom's actually the most transferred in defender with 33,000 transfers in, which is a bit of a surprise considering he, he's not starting anymore, but people just still have faith in the Lord, clearly. Um, Martin Kelly, he's the second most transferred out player right now, 150,000 transfers out. Um, likes of Abraham is also being sold, 95,000 transfers out, is injured. Um, James Madison, people giving up with this guy, 67,000 transfers out, even though Leicester's fixtures are about to turn as well and um, Jamie Vardy as well um, third for most transfers out right now with 99,000 I mean this guy he's still the golden boot um, leader at the moment with 17 goals but he hasn't scored since he's had a baby um, hasn't scored back um, uh, since game week 18 where interestingly enough he's he uh, played Manchester City and that's who he's got up next and you know it's a, I feel like it's a funny time to be selling Jamie Vardy to be honest you know obviously he's blanked um, you know sort of eight or so game weeks in a row but um you know um he all 
always looks really, really good against the top sides. Um, in terms of his sort of like record, um, the team he scored the most goals against is Arsenal with nine, then it's Liverpool with seven, and then in joint third it's Manchester City in with six. So, you know, I actually fancy that Jamie Vardy might be able to break his duck um, against uh, Manchester City if he sort of catches Otamendi on the break or something like that, because they always play quite a high line. I wouldn't be surprised if, um, if Vardy nicked a goal in that one, to be honest. It would be rather typical, wouldn't it, that Vardy would just continue to haunt City, whereas he can't haunt anybody else in between over the last few weeks. And it would actually be the sort of game where you'd expect Brendan Rodgers' sides, and this Leicester side in particular, to kind of just kind of rise up again and kind of re- restart their surge. I guess with City now clearly going to be shifting their focus to Europe at this kind of presents them with a good opportunity to perhaps bridge the gap on the City with a few weeks left to go in the season and maybe secure second, which would be a really good result for Leicester this year, rather than kind of continuing to slowly slip backwards into the slow horse race for third and fourth that kind of is developing at the moment. Yeah, I think so. I think they're definitely a one to watch. And we'll talk about Leicester a little bit more next week. But yeah, as I said, Manchester City at home is a tough fixture. But after that, they've got Norwich away, Aston Villa at home, Watford away, Brighton at home. So it feels like it might be time to start targeting them again. And um, Harvey Barnes in particular is one player from Leicester that's on my radar. I certainly can't go back to to James Madison. But um, yeah, I think we'll we'll wrap up the features there. Just the one this week, um, unfortunately, because obviously um, we don't have much time for next weekend but um, we'll bring more features back next week and we're going to move on to the community questions after the break who got the assist who got the assist so we're back and um, we're going to do a very, very quick um, update for the Who Got The Assist Mini League. Um, we're just going to mention the uh, the top man at the top. That's um, Johnny Briggs, still at, still at number one with the Den Donkeys. Uh, 56 points this week. Uh, captain blank there for Sergio Aguero. But, you know, he, he's doing really, really well this season. Overall rank uh, number 73. And he's also right at the top uh, for Northern Ireland as well. So having a great season. Um, well done, Johnny the likes of the double Liverpool defence, the double Sheffield United defence and uh, Salah de Bruyne and Ings Vardy Aguero doing the business for him there. Um, So yeah, we're going to move on to the community questions. So thanks for all the questions, guys, as usual. Um, The first question was from FPL Teach Mode. Um, He asked us about Aubameyang, um, stick or twist. So uh, what do you think about Aubameyang there, Stag? So with Aubameyang, I think the reason why this question would have come through without having looked at Teach Mode's team or anything is that I just people people were freaking out about how wide Pierre Aubameyang was playing against Newcastle in the previous game week, and like I think people are just losing their minds a little bit on this one. Like he was okay, they were playing against a five-man defense, and of course that would mean he was going to have to play a little wider. But it's actually only the fourth widest he's played this season based on his average position. And he was still pretty far forward at the same time in terms of average position. He was on his average for touches in the box per game as well. He's about five per 90 as usual. He got five um, against Newcastle. I think people need to chill. Like He still had four attempts, three of those in the box as well. That was more than any other player on the pitch. So, okay, fine. It was Nicotia last weekend. He could easily end up playing central again. Nicotia could or Aubameyang could end up reprising that role. Either way, I don't think he's a particularly bad pick and it's just unfortunate that he's blanking. If you have him, I think stick, but like, uh, if you're, don't bring him in just yet. 
Yeah, I, I think for me he would be a stick as well. He, he's certainly a player that I was considering bringing um, in, in in game week 29 when he's got that quite tasty fixture um, at West Ham at home and then in, they've got Brighton, Southampton after that. So they've got quite a nice um, run of fixtures. Um, like yourself, I'm not overly concerned that he's playing on the wing, so to speak, and out of position in, in a bad way. As we all know, that Mo Salah banged in 30 goals from that position the, the um, other season. So there's always plenty of opportunities for him to score. And he, he is scoring lots of goals this season. He's got 15 goals to his name, um, three assists as well. And uh, yeah, he is that talisman in that Arsenal team. Um, he is the key man, the key attacker. Nicked a goal against Newcastle, even though he was playing so far out wide. Um, he is very expensive, of course. So you do have to make potential sacrifices elsewhere uh, within your team to afford a player like Aubameyang because he's 10.8 million. But um, I certainly wouldn't. Um, I certainly wouldn't be saying sell, sell, sell about um, about this guy. Yeah, exactly. I think I can't disagree with that at all. And I guess maybe looking at some of the other questions we've had, which have really regarded midfielders. So Nasu was asking us about the best midfielder under 9 million. DJ Neaton was asking about Redmond replacements. And FPL Amy was asking about Madison replacements. So an awful lot of the kind of sub 9 million bracket basically being addressed. Um, and basically considering there are so few of the kind of like upper to mid tier Fernandez price level-ish options, it means that your 6 million midfielders are almost interchangeable with your nine odd mid midfielders so I was thinking about this question myself and I think really there are three obvious kind of contenders in the upper echelons of this price bracket one is Richardson who I'll address uh, without being uh, difficult about him for just a second so look he's 8.1 million and in the last six game weeks he's scored three times from 18 shots 11 of which were in the box um, with 1.82 non-pen XG. So that's all pretty good. That's up there with the the best of the attackers in the league, be they forwards or be they midfielders, and I think that's hard to throw away. Then we've got Tony Martial as well, who has now had five goals in recent weeks off a huge number of shots, quite a lot of which have been in the box, and his, his non-pen XG is actually much better than Richarlison's, in spite of the fact that he's that little bit cheaper, and you could argue that Manchester United have much better fixtures as well, given that... Everton play four of the traditional top four in our top the traditional top six in their next four fixtures, and then maybe slightly maybe in this bracket are the likes of Deli Ali, Lucas Moura, and also Stephen Bergwijn, and maybe the Son injury gives us maybe even Lucas especially a real chance to shine, perhaps even in a striker role. Uh, over the next few game weeks, uh, making them maybe more interesting than they were when we were recording on Monday, and the Son injury was but a dream. Yeah, I think those are all um, relatively sensible picks. There's no one that really, really shines out of the batch. No one that I'm like, oh, you know, he's a perfect replacement for me. I mean, this question is particularly pertinent now um, Now that I've got this sod injury because I've got this sort of gap in my team and I need, I need to address it essentially with one of these guys. You know, as I said, you know, likes Jack Grealish fits them all quite nicely, but I think Villa are hard to avoid with the upcoming blanks. I mean, looking at the cheaper options as well, I mentioned Harvey Barnes, only six million, three goals and one assist in the last four nine shots inside the box over that time with joint third for midfielders so you know Barnes could be um, a decent shout um, or even maybe his teammate Isaac Perez um, who was a popular pick of mine beginning the season I mean you, you could potentially talk about the Chelsea guys I guess you know um, especially if they do have a double in 29 I think Willian is sort of my, my ward prowse he's a player that ends up in my team every season I don't really want to bring him in uh, but I do actually like um, Martial actually and I'd be quite tempted to bring him in maybe as well um, 
Um, he's got nine goals over the course of the season, um, which is best return since 2015-16, uh, which was his first season at Manchester United, where he scored 11 goals. Um, and, uh, you know, he could easily beat that record this season. He is out of position. As as we know, he's, he's playing in that forward line. And with Rashford injured, um, he could easily make that step up and, and be the talisman. And, and Watford at home up next is actually... Um, Makes makes him look like a pretty decent punt, even if Manchester United's fixtures are a bit mixed over the next five. It's Everton away, City at home, Spurs away, and Sheffield United after that. But um, yeah, I do quite like Martial. You mentioned the Spurs boys as well. Could do a straight swap for another Spurs guy. Um, Ali, Deli Ali didn't look particularly clinical in front of goal against Aston Villa. But um, he did have a XG. He was an XG underachiever with um, minus one point three five um, in that game. So really, really should have scored. And uh, yeah, he's he's not been scoring near enough goals um, over the course of this season, or at least the last couple. But you you do wonder with Son injured, with Kane injured, perhaps he will get to play in that centre forward. Um, position because um Mourinho said that Troy Parrott isn't ready yet so you know it could be a decent pun or you could go for uh Steven Bergwijn who's had a really good start I think um to the start of his Spurs career he um he looked really um attacking in that video game again and you know plenty of um great plenty of opportunities to catch him on the break and uh, nicks a goal in his first game uh should have had an assist really if Son had put that penalty away as well so um you know uh, potential for attacking returns there as well. Yeah, no, those midfielders, especially the Spurs options, are looking particularly interesting in light of the Son injury. And then maybe looking at one other question, the, the classic question that we're getting almost every week at the moment, one from Storm J. Olsen this week, who was asking about the triple Liverpool defence, whereas Jossie was asking about Mane or Robbo. And I think what that question truly hints at is whether you should have a double defence in one midfielder or two midfielders and one defender now a few weeks back with double game weeks coming up we were very much of the two midfielders one defender variety now with Allison still maintaining his record of uh, carrying out more baptisms than he has uh, conceded goals uh, since at some point in December I think <laughs> there's a lot of arguments maybe to say that we should have two defenders and one midfielder going forward Nick where do you fall on those questions the triple Liverpool defence etc and the the double ups. So with the triple Liverpool defence, I mean, it's, 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 it's viable. I do understand why uh, people are looking at it as a potential option just because, you know, they have um, been fantastic value over the course of the season. And just, you know, that record of um, only conceding one goal in, in the Premier League uh, since uh, way back when, it's just, it's just so impressive. And ever since Joe Gomez came into the team playing alongside Virgil van Dijk, um, you know, they just don't look like conceding at all, do they? So... You know, I can understand the appeal of the triple um, uh, defence, especially with Joe Gomez as well. 5.3 million, you know, fit him in. And you've got plenty of money to, to afford the likes of De Bruyne, to afford the likes of Aguero and Aubameyang and, and make quite an exciting team, really. So I do understand the appeal. I mean, I'm not sure if it's for me. I think it's just a case that it's just going to be one goal and that's your game week ruined, basically, isn't it? And I, I don't really want to take that much of a risk. I'm quite enjoying um, now having the double Liverpool defence again, um, bringing in Andrew Robertson um, to play alongside Trent Alexander-Arnold, who I've said many times, I feel like it's essential. Um, so that's kind of the route I'm going down with, at least with the uh, the Liverpool team. I think Manny and Salah uh, kind of worked with the double. Didn't really work because Manny got injured, but um, you know, nearly worked with the double and um, was the strategy I was going for there. But um, 
I think it's probably just too expensive to have both those guys in your team. It's down to value at the end of the day. You know, having Mane and Salah would have meant that I wouldn't have had uh, Solin, for instance, this week, and I wouldn't have got that 13-point haul, and I'd have probably had to make other sacrifices in my team. So, um, yeah, I think for me, it's probably the double Liverpool defence and one of Mane or Salah, and it's impossible to, see, uh, to pick between the two, really, isn't it? I think so too. Like for me, I'm going to be moving towards having the double defense anyway. It's 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 Trent plus another. Probably Robertson if I can afford it. Maybe Virgil Van Dijk if it comes to it. And I I think it's a pretty easy one to be honest. I I'm I'm I can attack the midfield elsewhere with while saving an awful lot of budget. And that's really how I feel about those Liverpool players. And. We did have plenty of questions about Son and his position. FPL Physio was asking about KDB versus Son. That question is now pretty much redundant. Keep KDB. Kiwi Nick underscore FPL was asking us about KDB to Son as well. And FPL 352 mentioned Bruno Fernandes. And maybe that is a question that is worth answering, Nick, in light of the fact that he's now got an assist against Chelsea as well in the previous game week. Yeah, I mean, I think he's had a pretty decent start to his his Manchester United career, and you know, all, all the Man U fans are sort of you know buying him in uh, in the bucket loads, as as we saw from the market forces. Eight point zero million, he, he's pretty damn affordable as well. I think when I look at Bruno Fernandez and I look at Anthony Martial, they are about the same price. Martial's only zero point one million cheaper. I, I, I still, um, I'm still leaning towards Martial as the option. I just think he's got. Um, more of a, a pedigree. He's, he's going to be playing week in, week out as well. Definitely in that number nine position with with Rashford injured and uh, yeah. Um, I mean, you know, Bruno Fernandez perhaps a, a bit more of an exciting pick, but I feel like Anthony Martial is more of the Nick pick here um, in terms of the uh, the Manchester United midfielders. Yeah, I, I think so too. For me personally as well, just looking at their threat, looking at even their not so much their chance creation because that's not something exactly that Martial does, but just purely looking at just FPL points potential, I guess he really kind of stands out ahead. And at the end of the day, Fernandez is likely to feed him. We still don't know if he'll be on penalties, and that could prove interesting as time goes on. But that's only pure speculation as it stands right now with Fernandez. We did also have questions about Aguero replacements, but I think uh, given the fact that we've answered those questions on the strikers already I don't think that that's worth going into in too much detail it's Aubameyang or the cheaper ones is effectively the choice that you have and with that I think Nick we can move on to our last break and our transfers and captains after that yep sounds good who got the assist who got the assist so we'll move on to our final section, Nick, and that's our transfers and captains for the coming game week. So for me, game week 27 is going to be the start of the comeback, uh, part two, considering my fresh impetus that I got from my wildcard a few weeks ago and bringing in Aguero has basically ended in two captaincy fails with Aguero and a triple captaincy fail with Aguero because I happen to have him. So I'm looking at using my two free transfers and maybe another transfer or even another one after that to do a mini wildcard and completely surgically change up my team to bring in definitely Raul Jimenez up front, probably Anthony Martial, and I'm going to start my double Liverpool defence as well by bringing in either Van Dijk or Andy Robertson. I have the budget to do either of those after selling Sergio Aguero. So... That's it for me, Nick. And you? So, yeah, I was originally planning on rolling my transfer, but now with the Hungman uh, Son injury, I'm, I'm forced into to making a move, and it's just, it's just not really the position I wanted to be changing right now. I mean, 
ideally I'd like to bring in Jimenez or, or Ings um, up in that front line, but I, I can't because I've got to replace a midfielder. So it could be someone like Adama Troyore maybe coming in in midfield. Uh, though then if I do that move, it just it frees up so much cash that I'm, I'm tempted to to make a forward line uh, move as well. So could end up doing a hit actually, and you know swapping out Mason Greenwood for um, Jimenez. I've actually I actually have the um, the funds to be able to do that. So you know it's quite tempting. Though I don't know, do I want to be doubling up on Wolves for that Norwich? I suppose it's it's, it's very very tempting, isn't it? But. Um, I just I haven't really decided, as you can tell. I think I'm probably going to have to sleep on it and, and make a last-minute decision in terms of what I do there. But, um, yeah, that, that's my plan. I think in terms of the captain, it, it's probably going to be Mo Salah for that West Ham at home game. Um, you know, I don't really see any other options within my team right now for the captain pick. Um, what about yourself? Are you going with Salah or are you, you fancying a punt on the likes of Jimenez or Ings as, as the captain? Uh, yeah, the sensible option says Salah for sure. Uh, the more I sleep on it, the more I'll probably end up, you know, trending towards that Salah pick. But I must say, I am considering the differential. I just when you're around eight hundred k and it's this time of the season, it's it's starting to get a little bit frustrating. And I'm just kind of I am trying to turn water into wine, maybe to an extent, and just find a miracle um, again. And so I could end up going with someone like him, and if I do bring him in, we'll see. Uh, I'm really not sure. Okay, so yeah, um, still deciding both of us about sounds of things on a few decisions there, but um, just to say who we are, we are who got the assist, you can find us on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL, at WGTA underscore Nick, uh, make sure to listen, subscribe across the podding spectrum. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, you'll find me as well at FPL Stag. Yeah. Our league code is EIKX03 for those of you who wish to join. Uh, usually we have a team and last week it was Jurassic Park. There is none in this pod, but as Nick alluded to earlier, he has given you a sneaky hint for what's to come in the next pod, which is coming on Monday, all going well and no podcast gremlins affecting us like they did last week. Nick, would you like to sign off there? Thanks for me. Yeah, thanks guys for listening. Um, appreciate uh, that it's a bit later than normal, but I uh, hope you enjoyed it. And uh, as Dag said, we will be back next week with a record on Monday. So goodbye, guys. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Sports Social Podcast Network.